sphere of digital transformation, your workforce's ability to embrace, learn, and adopt new technology can really impact the ability of your organization to thrive in the new economy. What can you do about it? Well, my next guest is a specialist in organizational psychology who focuses on the intersection of people and technology, and he's got some answers for you, so stay tuned. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah hassel Kelchner, helping you see business issues hiding in plain view that matter to your bottom line. Welcome to Business Confidential Now. I'm your host, Hannah hassel Kelchner, and I have a very special guest for you today. His name is Steve Prentice. He's a specialist in organizational psychology who helps people and organizations understand each other, the technologies they use, and the changes they represent. He's a speaker, writer, journalist, and university lecturer who focuses on human acceptance of cybersecurity, artificial intelligence, blockchain, and the future of work. His fourth book is entitled The Future of Workplace Fear, How Human Reflex Stands in the Way of Digital Transformation. And it focuses on this one key fact that humans are driven by fear. Actually, you may be scared just listening to this right now, but hang on there. (laughs) So anybody who's looking to deploy digital transformation really needs to understand this. And that's why we're all here today. And it's a treat to have him join us. Welcome to Business Confidential Now, Steve. Well, thank you, Hannah. It's a pleasure to be here. Yours is a fascinating topic. And this nexus between people and the technology they use, which seems to be changing at such a rapid rate these days, just so that we're all on the same page, please help me understand what you mean by digital transformation. It can mean a lot of things to a lot of different companies, but basically you're talking about the technologies that we bring into business, the computers that we use, the technologies we use to communicate, social media, and of course, moving into things such as working from home, but also think about things such as your smart doorbell on the outside of your house. These are all ways that our lives are changing because of technologies that are both intelligent and communicating with each other. They are connected. So this is the transformation we're going through right now is one in which we as people are working so much more closely with intelligent, connected technologies to get our work done. Whether you work in an office or you work in a location with machinery or in a hospital, we're all facing the same kind of digital transformation right now. Indeed, we are. And it just seems to be increasing faster and faster all the time. I think if people misplace their phone, half their life is gone, if not more. So please tell me about the fear of digital transformation that you see happening in organizations. What kind of fears are we talking about? We're talking about very basic ones, really. And this is the issue. And I've been doing this for 25 years since basically since computers came out to become a technology in the workplace. I mean, frankly, when I was a student at university back then, you know, I had to find some temporary work to help pay the bills. And wherever I worked, just simply doing database stuff or number crunching, uh, people would be around me in the office would be worried. How can I use this? I don't know what it does. What if my document loses? Where does it go? There was an enormous fear about how the technology works because there was this disconnect basically between how the computers were designed to work by computer scientists and how the end users were expected to use it. And it's one thing to have to learn how to use any particular kind of technology, even riding a bicycle. But when it comes to technology, the fear of making a mistake, the fear of losing your document, the fear of looking stupid in front of your boss and your peers, 
And the ultimate fear of losing your job because you just appear to not be able to do the work, that's what drives people. And it makes them hide. It makes them do things uh, surreptitiously so as to look like they're learning something, but they're not. It becomes an enormous way how people are actually using it. That becomes a dangerous thing, not just simply a choice. It's a great danger to an organization. And you can go as far as national security, because if one piece of our connection is dead because someone isn't doing the right thing, we all suffer from that. Absolutely. Well, I'm sure that there are some listeners that could check off a couple of the boxes when you said, you know, the document gets lost, getting blamed for it, so on and so forth. Well, let me ask you this, though. Why can't employees just get over it? Because I would imagine that some of the younger cohort that has grown up with technology that are very, very tech savvy, that if anything, they're fearless about it. They'll go clicking on all kinds of buttons that we were, you know, they say my generation, I'm going to age. <laughs> I'm going to age myself here, might be a little reluctant. Well, let me just check first. Let me save this first. And I see a certain fearlessness. Could the opposite be true? The opposite is true, but there's fear there too. And that's the interesting thing. There is a digital divide between basically those who started their work life before the internet and computers came into our lives and those who started afterwards. And you know, here we are in an age now where people who are entering the workforce were born after 9-11. So we're talking about a new generation of people who, yes, they have grown up with technology in their hands, probably from the very first time. In fact, the iPhone is, is used for a lot of young parents to keep their kids occupied, their babies occupied for a short time. However, the, the two differences, the two fears are equally destructive. For the older generations, as we pointed out, it can be the fear of making a mistake, the fear of losing a document, the fear of, of just getting stuck, or even the fear of taking the time. For example, in a person's own home, you probably have a router, you probably have that device that takes your internet signal and sends it to your computers and then sends everything back out to the internet. How many people have changed the password on their router? Most people don't even know it exists. And those who thought about doing it, it can be a scary thing. What if I make a mistake and my router doesn't work and there's no internet in the house? Oh my goodness, how terrible would that be? So there's that kind of fear about having to read the instructions and using a technology and making a mistake in setting it up or even the cost of having someone come in and do it. It doesn't seem necessary. And that's just simply hope for the best and just just work with it and hope that it works. But there's a lot of security issues that come from unguarded routers. And again, smart doorbells and your phone and everything we use, we use with that hope that it's going to be okay. But then you've got the other side. You've got the younger generation who have grown up with the technologies, yes. One of their greatest fears, and I'm speaking generally now, but one of their greatest fears is just direct conversations and communications with other people. When you've grown up texting as a primary source of social interaction, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but texting is an ultimately controllable conversation device. You type out your entire sentence and you send it. That's very different from having a dynamic conversation the way we are having right now. And so when young professionals are brought into positions where they have to interface with their manager or they themselves become a manager and they've got to learn how to work and communicate with their employees, they realize that live conversation can be a kind of a scary thing because it's not controllable. And I'm not making this up. These were direct quotes from people who were asked this very question. I prefer to text because I can control it, but I don't know what you're going to say in a conversation and I don't know where this conversation is going to go. And that kind of fear immediately degrades the relationship that is so vital between any sets of employees and managers in the dynamic of a workplace. So in both situations, you've got fear getting in the way of 
progress that the technology was designed to deliver. That's the problem. That's a very, very succinct way of putting it. And that in itself <laughs> is just incredible. Do you see this fear growing? Yes, it's growing because there are new changes coming in all the time. I mean, here we are looking at things such as the work from home option. I mean, we've all been through two plus years of COVID and so many of us were you know, sent home to do our work from home and we learned we can actually do that. So now comes the issue of, well, do I go back to work? Do I go back to work with people who may be, again, physically dangerous to me in terms of being COVID carriers or other variants and so forth? You've got managers who say, well, if my employees are working from home, then how can I trust them to do their work? Which I think is a crazy concept and I could spend an hour with you on that. But the default reaction is, how can I trust an employee I can't see? That's where many managers are at for these very reasons. Again, it's not a controllable relationship if you're not there just down the hallway from my office. Then you've got the fear of loss of what we had before. If you were used to working in a particular location, in a particular building with a particular desk and office and cubicle, and that is now gone, and your floor has now been replaced by a hoteling hot desking thing where you have to book a desk for those days you come in. I don't like that. That's changed. That's not how it used to be. I want what we had before is the kind of response they'll have. I don't like this new lifestyle and I'm going to resist it. So the fear is not necessarily only about how to use a technology. It's also the fear of the loss of the status quo. Human beings instinctively do not like change because change means a threat to your stability and your safety. So not only are we looking at the fear of looking stupid in front of our peers and our managers, we're also looking at the ultimate human fear of change. We don't like change because it represents on a purely instinctive level some new element that could be dangerous to us. And that, again, is a big chasm between those who design the new workplace and those who are forced to accept it. And many may accept it grudgingly, but under the surface, they will not cooperate fully. They unconsciously may sabotage the system through their lack of desire to participate. That, too, is very dangerous. Well, isn't this a fun situation, <laughs> Steve? <laughs> is there Come anything on, up here? Is there anything management can do to plan their digital transformation? Because digital transformation is inevitable and it's going to be ongoing and continuous with every new beeping device that gets created and an app. Is there any way they can plan digital transformation in a way that avoids? the problems brought about by these different workplace fears. What advice do you have? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely they can. That's why management is a one-word term. It's about managing how your company operates. There's so much they can do to, to thrive and make not only keep the company safe, but also to have happy employees, engaged employees, and employees who are willing to stay. Because remember, we are far more empowered now as employees than we were even a decade ago in terms of knowing that there are other jobs out there. Despite the headlines, you know, saying that there's economic issues going on, there's always other work out there. So managers need to recognize to attract and retain employees, we've got to create a workspace that is conducive to how they want to work today. So the answer is yes, all management has to do is to modify the culture to embrace these new habits. Now, what do I mean by that? If you have a new technology, and the one that I like to use the most is the notion of password management software, okay? I know it sounds very technical, but the point is you've got to maintain your passwords when you're working in an office or at home. If you are a nurse or an accountant, it doesn't matter. 
Whatever you do as a job, you are interfacing with a network in your employer's company. If you do not maintain passwords safely, all kinds of bad stuff happens through cybercrime. This is a big area that I work in you know, most of the time. So how do you get people to want to use password management software and use it correctly? All you've got to do, management, is give them the time to learn properly. That's the big change. Over the last few decades, if you had to learn something as an employee, you were sent to a workshop, sent to a training session. And I know because I've delivered many of them myself. It's totally unfair to expect people to learn a skill after sitting in a classroom for one hour or six hours. Most of what they hear and see will evaporate within 24 hours because humans don't learn like that. So you've got to change the way that people learn how to use technologies to try it out bit by bit, iteratively, hands-on, in the way that you learn. If you've ever learned a new language, a second language, for example, you don't learn the whole language in a day. You learn little bits at a time. If you watch a child learn how to speak, you know, as an infant, they learn little bits at a time. That's how we do it. So management can very easily resolve all these problems simply by modifying. That doesn't mean a wholesale change, but fine-tuning the way that they help their employees feel comfortable with the new technologies or the new techniques. So whether it is a password management software or a new way of hoteling or hot desking in the office, or a hybrid work scenario, or any other regular old normal that they want to bring back, we have to change the way that humans are given the time to learn and practice. Just one more very brief example for you, Hannah. Imagine, for example, phishing emails. You, know, you hear this all the time, people clicking on an email that brings in malware into the organization. The main culprit there is not the email. It's the fact that employees feel that so rushed that they have to click on this thing and get it done before they get in trouble for spending too much time. They're under such pressure to get work done that they click out of haste. That has to be removed. Give people the chance to take their time and do things right, and you will eliminate so many costly mistakes and so many examples of attrition or just simply employee migration, and you will generate a much stronger workforce and a stronger company for this new decade. That all makes a lot of sense, Steve. So why aren't more managers doing that when they're engaging in digital transformation? Once again, one word, fear. On one level, you've got the fear of looking stupid. Why didn't you do this before? If you're the manager, why didn't you do this before? Now you look stupid for not having done this in the first place. If you do decide to, to put your neck out and say, we should make these kinds of modifications, now you're going to get blowback from senior management who say, this is going to cost us too much money. We don't have the budget for this kind of training. We can't do this kind of stuff. Why don't we just go back to how it was? So there you've got layer upon layer of fear, because if now as a manager, you try to put this forward. And to be fair, there's many, many managers out there who love their team. They want to make their team successful. It isn't like all managers are bad, but they're trapped between the needs of their employees and the demands and expectations of their senior management and their board of directors who are most interested in long-term vision for the company. And, you know, maximize profits if it's private sector or just simply maximize efficiency, even in public sector areas. And sadly, many of the people in these senior positions just don't have the time themselves to learn enough about whether it's a cybersecurity issue or just simply a workplace issue. They don't have enough time to learn or interest to learn, and nor do they themselves want to look ignorant if they own up to the fact that they don't know what cybersecurity is or what a particular kind of threat happens to be. So you've got fear all the way up the ladder, right to the C-suite, individual fears that together compound to make for a very dangerous situation. So why can't it be done? 
because everybody is afraid of either looking stupid, costing too much money, or again, just making change happen. Why can't we go back to the way things were? But sadly, the old normal will never return. So just like we had film companies in the 1970s and 80s that went out of business because they didn't want to go to digital, the same thing's going to happen to many organizations whose product may be excellent, but because they haven't given the opportunity to embrace change within the organization, will go the way of so many other faded brands by just not changing quickly enough. So really, it all boils down about maintaining competitiveness, and there's no way to kind of snap board of directors or senior management, the C-suite out of this to say, look, you can't possibly know everything. Let us help you. And this is an investment you need to make in order to leapfrog these products. They don't want to get that. Well, that's been a problem for many decades is that once you get to those levels, I mean, obviously, you know, profitability and shareholder value are of key issues. But once again, there's a gap there, because if I can explain that shareholder value is actually based on the longevity of an organization, I mean, that's investment 101. But the point is, the longevity concepts are still stuck in two decades past. You know, we'll set a 10-year plan for the company. Well, we can do a 10-year plan, but you've also got to have a 10-month plan because that's how quickly things are changing. Now, all of these fears that we've discussed can be fixed, but we've got to replace the element of fear, which, by the way, is an emotion. This is an emotional side of the human self with the facts of how to do it. If you think, for example, about a child who's afraid to go to to sleep at night because they think there's a monster under the bed. We all know that kind of story. What do you do to prove to the child there's no monster under the bed? You show them under the bed, right? You get a flashlight and you show them there's nothing there. These kinds of things are what we need to do for grown-ups as well. We need the facts to show them how to use a technology or how to change their company in order to embrace what's going on because the concepts that they embrace generally are always filtered first through emotion and logic always spends time trying to catch up. So there's a very simple solution to all of this. It's what I call bringing the facts up to meet the fear. You have to neutralize fear with facts. And that in a training situation is showing somebody how to use something iteratively, but on a C-suite level strategic way, it's by just demonstrating, for example, how a single person working from their home for the company using a particular third-party storage device to store their files can become the cause of ransomware and bring the company to its knees for a year or more by one simple, just a simple dismissal of a security policy. People don't want to grasp that kind of detail because it just seems too scary. That's what we have to deal with. Bring the facts up to meet the fear. How are you going to fix this? Time, training, and a modified way of managing people so that they can learn these skills and feel good about it. It's very easy and it costs pretty much nothing because it's just a matter of using company time in a different way. Well, they can do it right in the first place or they can learn to do it over. You mentioned something earlier that really piqued my curiosity about how when employees are fearful of digital transformation, and maybe they're already in the middle of a transformation, how they could be sabotaging it. If you're in management and you have a digital transformation in progress, or maybe you think it's already happened, but it really hasn't because employees may be undermining it and somehow, how do you know? Well, once again, it depends. Uh, We've got to sort of look at which things we need to know about. I mean, how do you know what you don't know? 
It starts with that expectation that these things can happen. I'll give you one specific example. It's very annoying when people get this notification that says it's time to change your password again. You know, some people get it every couple of weeks. You've got to change your password. People don't like changing passwords. So they'll either ignore it or they'll just simply leave the current password and add a one or an exclamation point at the end. That isn't fixing the problem because they're not aware that the bad guys out there know a lot about this. They know people do this. And so they just simply search for passwords with an exclamation point at the end. They know this. But others will grudgingly change the password to something much longer and more complicated. And then the moment that IT people turn their backs, we'll turn it back, right? So they'll do what they're told to. And then as soon as the IT people have left the room, they'll change it back to the old password, which is a lot easier. That's a classic human thing to do, right? It's just a matter of once the teacher walks by, you pretend you're writing your exam, and then you go back to whatever once you're gone. So you've got to know that these kinds of things happen. You cannot rely on people to simply just sit down and do what you ask them to do. is isn't because they don't like you or like the company, but because they're afraid of getting it wrong or they're afraid of the repercussions if they can't remember their password, now they've got to call the help desk and so on. Now, I'm using a lot of password and cybersecurity examples, but it can spread to any area of where people work. If they don't want to do something, the natural desire is to just hide it and just do it the way you're used to. It's kind of like smoking in the washrooms, which was a big problem for a lot of people for a long time after smoking malls were passed. They would still sneak their way into smoking, and it still happens to this day on airplanes. You hear the stories all the time, people smoking in the bathrooms because they don't want to give up what they know and love. So it becomes an exercise in basically risk assessment. What do we not know that we don't know about these changes? Quite simply dealt with through research. What have other companies gone through? What have their challenges been in terms of getting employees or managers or the whole population to work in the same direction to fix a particular problem? You just can't assume that everybody's going to be on board because human beings just naturally want to go back to a safe space. So that's the default you've got to work with, their natural desire to go back to a safe space. It's not that you can't trust people. It's that you have to understand why people work the way they work. And that's what organizations have to do. But in my professional experience, working with many of them in cybersecurity and just also just generally, there is a huge gap of awareness between what senior managers and managers assume is going on and what is actually going on. And that's nobody's fault. It's just simply how the culture has evolved. So we require some conscious application of awareness paired with the appropriate kind of training and time to make these new things happen if you want your company to survive the next five years. So in your professional opinion, is this gap of awareness sort of the holy grail of why digital transformation is problematic and triggering so much fear on all fronts? It is because it's looked upon as a panacea. It's looked upon as a new solution. You know, everyone's got to get, get into, you know, whether it's e-commerce or whether it's using blockchain technologies or just simply connecting with suppliers around the world to cut costs. You know, if you can have suppliers in different countries to, to work with you, that's great. But if any one of the suppliers, no matter whether they're next door or around the world, have a weakness in their system, that weakness will get into your system too. The Holy Grail really is, is, is a true understanding of the fact that we need a conscious awareness of both threats and benefits of the technologies that we're using to transform our organizations, not just simply open the box and make it go and assume everything's going to be fine. If you're going to get a, buy a, your first car, you've got to learn how to drive it. You've got to learn how to drive it defensively so that you can be not only an operator of your car, but a defensive citizen on the road. 
that's a commitment that everyone's got to take on. So yes, that is the holy grail, is that companies moving forward into you know, the rest of this decade need to recognize that to survive, it isn't just simply about building a better product. It's about building a better culture within that is going to attract people who want to stay in an era where career mobility is far more available than it ever was before. But the culture within the organization is one that is supportive of learning, of development, and of even experimentation. Give people the chance to learn the skills they need to learn, and they will flourish. They will love being there. Give them the trust to work from wherever they need to work, and they will do the work. People are very good and very proud of being able to achieve their professional abilities, whatever level they're at. Most people can be trusted to do great work. So you see there's a lot of elements here that tie towards this notion, the holy grail, of making sure that to have an effective company, we've got to make these pieces work correctly. And that's all coming down to human elements of trust, education, time, and awareness that if we don't do that, they will naturally fall back into old habits. And we haven't got the time literally for that to happen. We've got to move forward. Absolutely. Well said. We have to move forward. So thank you so much for your time, Steve. I appreciate your thoughts about this important topic. And I think it's often overlooked because like you said, people are focused on other things. And in the meantime, digital transformation is not just eating their lunch, but their bottom line. So if you're listening and you'd like more information about Steve Prentice and his book, The Future of Workplace Fear, How Human Reflex Stands in the Way of Digital Transformation, that information can be found on the show notes at Business Confidential Radio. And if you know someone whose business is either entertaining or undergoing some type of digital transformation, please tell them about this episode. Share the link, leave a positive review so others can learn about it too. Thank you for listening to Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelscher. Have a great day and an even better tomorrow.